Chapter Nineteen of the Old Fashioned Fairy Book by Constance Carey Harrison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carol Box. Chapter Nineteen, Bisclavare, from one of Mari's lays. Once upon a time, there lived in Brittany, a baron who was handsome, wise, courteous, and brave. Although admired and beloved by his neighbours, he remained single until late in life, when he fell desperately in love with a young lady, who did not hesitate long in accepting the offer of so distinguished a suitor for her hand. They were married, and the bride returned from her honeymoon to take up her abode in her husband's fine castle. For a little while all went well until the lady discovered that her husband was regularly absent from home during three days of every week. Overwhelmed with curiosity to know where he went, and how he was occupied during this time, she used every means in her power to coax the secret from him. "'Do not ask me,' said her kind lord, "'rest assured that I have good reasons for my conduct. "'If you know what takes me from you, it will only be to hate and scorn your husband, and to ruin the happiness of our life. The lady persisted, going from coaxings to prayers and tears. At last the poor baron gave way, and confided to her that, owing to a cruel spell cast on him at birth, he was during half the week a bisclavare, or man-wolf, taking on the body of a wolf but keeping his own feelings and intelligence as a man. Upon hearing this dreadful story, the lady fainted away. Henceforth, although her husband was more loving than ever, she was filled with horror and loathing of him, and soon she secretly resolved to destroy the monster and enjoy his wealth. By watching his movements, she ascertained that when the baron became a wolf, he left his clothing in a deserted chapel on the edge of a certain wood, and she formed a plan to seize and hide the garments. So long as the bislavare was without his man-clothes, he was condemned to remain a brute. Accordingly, when, after his melancholy ramble through the woods, the bislavare went one night to resume his clothes, they were gone and, in agony of spirit, he knew that he was betrayed by his wife. He took himself off to the forest, and was there lost to human sight. Meanwhile, the wicked wife, announcing that her husband had died while on a journey to some foreign land, enjoyed his wealth and his castle. A year later, the king went hunting in the forest, and, after a stout chase, had nearly run down the unhappy Bisclavre, when that persecuted beast, bounding from his thicket, fawned upon the king's feet, shedding real tears and uttering almost human cries for mercy. The king, struck with compassion, ordered his dogs to be whipped off, and had the strange animal conveyed with care to his palace. Bisclavre soon became the royal favourite, he slept on a couch of soft furs, ate from a golden dish, and returned with gratitude the caresses of all who noticed him. His gentleness and sagacity won for the man-wolf the right to roam wherever he desired to go, unchained. One day, 
the king gave a splendid entertainment, to which were invited all the lords and ladies of the land. Among them, dressed in silks and satins, and sparkling with jewels, came the false wife. No sooner did Bislavray espy her chatting with the king's guests, than, to the surprise of all present, the usually mild creature rose up, growling horribly, and springing upon the lady, bit off her nose. Bisclavray was seized, and would have been speedily killed, but that he again fawned upon the king's feet, moaning and weeping, as though he longed to speak. The king ordered him to be put into a cage, and consulted with the oldest and wisest man in his kingdom as to what could be the meaning of the wolf's sudden fury toward this lady. Brittany is a land of wonders, sire, said the aged man. The lady who was attacked is as well known for a bad name as your favourite animal is for a good one. Who knows what became of her late husband, the baron? Perhaps this poor brute was beloved by that gentleman, and has some secret wrong to avenge. At any rate, you should at once shut the lady in prison until she is made to tell all she knows about the matter. Mayhap it is more than we suspect. The king followed his counsellor's advice, and, when the lady found herself likely to be kept a prisoner, she preferred speech to silence. With tears of professed penitence, she confessed all, and the king lost no time in sending for the clothes of the late baron, and placing them in the cage of Bislavray. At first the animal seemed indifferent, and surveyed them listlessly. "'Leave him to himself, sire,' said the wise man. "'Above all, set him at liberty in a chamber suitable to his rank. Then we shall see a wonderful change, I promise you.' This was done, and in the morning the king ran impatiently to the chamber of Bislavray. There, on the bed, dressed in his clothes and sleeping sweetly, lay the baron. When his royal master entered, the sleeper woke and, bending his knee before his sovereign, poured forth his joy and gratitude. As for the wicked wife, her estates were taken from her and restored to her husband, while she herself was sent into perpetual banishment. Most people would think she had been sufficiently punished by the loss of her nose, which never grew again. End of chapter 19 Recording by Carol Box